On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Katie. Hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, Sidetracks. Yay, Sidetracks. Sidetracks. So. This is technically yeah. our third Sidetracks because we called a couple things Sidetracks in the past, but our first official Sidetracks. Yes. So, welcome. Welcome. This is where we're fitting in everything that we can't fit into a regular episode since... Uh, I know I've I have some friends who love to just listen to the business of the podcast and some people who love that beginning of the podcast where people just talk about things. So this will be yeah. if you love both, listen to every episode. If you only like one or the other, you can just listen to one or the other. So we're going to do them in between regular episodes so you can like just get into that movie part. How are you, Brett? Yeah, I'm okay. How about you? How have you been doing, Katie? I'm good. My allergies are driving me crazy. So if you hear me sniffling, it's because of allergies. But I just came back from a family wedding in Terre Haute, Indiana. Yes. Nice. At, which... No one lives in Terre Haute. They just went to school in Terre Haute. And it was very central. It was kind of in between everybody else's stuff. They ended up getting married there. My cousin Matthew and his wife Maddie. They are lovely people. It was very fun. And I took Gizmo. And he did a really good job. It was his first car trip ever. It was nine hours. Didn't throw up once. Good job, good Gizmo. Good job, Gizmo. He's asleep now. But he was so good. I even took him to a bar. That's amazing. I have pictures of, like, my cousin Megan, like, holding him. And he's just, like, chilling. It was a dog-friendly bar. I was. They have, like, a dog water bowl and everything. And my cousin brings his dog, Naven, named after The Jerk, the movie The Jerk, uh, which... I was like, like the jerk? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, thank you, because I love that movie. But they bring him all the time to the bar. So I was like, is it okay? And we walked. I think Gizmo could be a city dog, because he walked a lot all through, like, the sidewalks. He liked it. Aww. He likes he likes the fields, too, you know. But I was like, I think if we ever move to a city in the future, I think he could be a city dog, which I was like, good to know. Good to know. Um, what did, what yeah. did you do this weekend? Anything fun? Uh, so nothing too crazy. Um, it's Taylor's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday! Yeah, so it's Leo season. It's actually the end of Leo season. We're about to be in Virgo, yeah. Virgo season, but um, I'm surrounded by Leos. They're everywhere. My mom's a Leo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother's a Virgo. So yeah. Virgos are nice. They say August is actually the most common month for the year to be born in, which I oh, wonder weird. if that's true. Because I know a lot of August babies. I do know a lot of August birthdays. But it's more friends and less family. My family tends to be... Early summer and winter births. We have a lot of winter births. We're a lot of winter babies in the family, but me and my younger nephew are both summer babies. Yeah. I'm almost summer. I was the last day of spring is my technical, my birthday. Yeah, mine's the last day of fall. Yeah. Slash winter solstice. Fun fact, me and Katie are exactly six months apart. Exactly. Exactly. So, Which is good. Yeah. Also, Geminis and Sagittarius are supposed to be best friends it's a thing yeah which you know we didn't become friends because we're 
Sagittarius is a Gemini. It's like, I heard you were a Sagittarius. We must be friends now. Let's be friends. But because it's my it's Taylor's birthday, um, you know, the big thing is we always joke because we know about the five love languages. And I tell Taylor, I was like, your love language is buying gifts for yourself. Uh, because he's, yeah. he's impossible to buy for because he buys himself everything he wants. Because of that, I was like, you know, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, you know, we keep talking about getting a king size bed. We have five animals. Why, why, why not just get a king size bed? And I'm like, you know, if that's what you really want to do, we'll do it. But I want, I want, you know, it's like all this adjustments because obviously king size beds are not very cheap. Even when you buy them at Walmart. No. We ended up getting our mattress at Walmart and there is a little, um, I'll have to tell you about it, Katie. There is a little furniture store in our city that actually has a really good deal on a lot of the furniture sets. Oh, because you even got a, a back. We did. Or what do you mean? Yeah, headboard, it's a, sorry. We got a headboard and a footboard. Oh my god. I'm still at the point where I just have like a mattress on a mattress stand. But I'm convinced I'm gonna make myself the perfect headboard because I have one in my head mm-hmm. and I have not been able to find it anywhere. It's something I think I could for security. yeah but you got a king size bed one that doesn't have a dog bite yeah the, out yeah it. the previous mattress riley ate half of it when he was a puppy so we had it flipped yeah. on the other side and believe yeah. it or not before that great we started on a full-size bed on the floor when we first started dating i had a twin size mattress for a very long time in college and after college because i was too poor to buy a new mattress so and i was in a relationship at that point that was weird <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it you works. You made it work. I hated having. You made it work. <laughs> I made it work. It was fine. Now I have a queen size bed, which I didn't want a king because like, to me, like I want more room. I live in organized chaos, as I like to call it, because I'm a little bit of a hoarder. And not like, there's not newspapers piled up to my ceiling, but like, I always have like more stuff than I have a place to put it. So like, I don't want a huge bed because I want like enough that I can chill out and like spread out and you know, a couple people can sit on there chilling out, but, and gizmo, but like, I don't want one that takes over the whole room. Even though they're beautiful, I just know I would run into it all the time. I will admit I've ran into the footboard with my knee cap like six Ugh. six times i never I've, i still haven't gotten used to it so hopefully i will eventually but yeah eventually you yeah will. but yeah so that was yeah. our weekend uh so taylor is very handy he put everything together by himself so yeah that's pretty much what we did kudos to taylor anyways is there anything cool you've watched so far i think we've both watched one yeah i figured or i caught up with you yeah i feel like we should probably talk about that and then we can kind of talk a little bit about uh what we both watched too do we want to say spoilers for this movie yeah let's say we'll be giving some spoilers we'll try not to spoil like the entirety of the movie but we may be hitting on a few different plot points okay so we i finally saw nope yay i caught up finally actually Actually, I saw it with Ryan. Yeah. Uh, because Ryan was like, I want to see Nope on Tuesday. And I was like, oh my god, I'm coming with you. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So it was really fun. I loved it. I thought it was really fun. It was not, I would not call it straight horror. Yeah. Like Jordan Peele's last two films. I would say the closest horror movie structurally to anything else to Nope would be Jaws mm-hmm. because there's a central threat. And there's a group of, like, unlikely heroes who happen to, like, all together, like, be the best people to exterminate this issue. But they're kind of, like, not uh, polished, we'll say. You know, 
but uh, they make a really good team. But it's not like, I wouldn't call it like a horror horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't make me feel like uneasy. There was one scene that ended up being kind of ha-ha, which I was like, God, this better be a joke. This better be a prank. This better be a prank. But it actually did make me really scared. And I think Ryan and I elbowed each other so hard, we probably left a mark. Because we were like, ah! <laughs> but it, it was funny. But there's a lot of humor. And there's a lot of, like, there is some, like, body horror, but it's light body yeah. horror. I wasn't super grossed out. But I think someone who can't handle body horror might be, but it's very brief. So I don't know. What was what was your feeling about it? I call it a very good like popcorn flick. So it's the perfect like it's the perfect <laughs> summer movie. Like you're sitting there, it's hot outside, you're in the cool theater, you're with a bunch of people, you're eating some popcorn, you're just enjoying this like kind of spectacle of a film because the cinematography mm-hmm. is great. It's really fun. Yeah. It's not so you're right, I wouldn't call it straight horror. I think if anyone went and inspected Get Out or Us, they'd be very disappointed because it's nothing like those two. And I think we had the conversation where you said, well, he's kind of allowed to change his filmmaking. And I said, I do agree with that statement. Yeah. He doesn't have to continuously make horror. Like, he he's a comedian by trade. So I guess just the thing about it in, um, this is not a big spoiler, guys, because this, this starts happening within the first 15 minutes of the movie. So kind of like the host, it subverts his the expectation you see the monster early um which is what we'll call mm-hmm. the the thing jean jacket is his name if we're being put Jean Correct. Jacket. Um, we see Jean Jacket a little bit early in the movie. And I was telling Katie one of the things I don't really like is that I like subverting the expectation seeing the monster early. But when you see something so much, you kind of get less scared of it every time. And with CGI, I yeah. just think when you see a CGI thing, it doesn't... You kind of can see the holes in it where it doesn't look real the more and more you see it. Yeah. Towards the end, when you saw all of Jean mm-hmm. Jacket... And that square green part of Jean Jacket made me feel like I don't understand. Like, I thought I understand the anatomy of Jean Jacket. And then I was like, I don't understand the anatomy of Jean Jacket anymore. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, I liked it. I think it was more about who will survive and what will happen and less about the creature itself. I did think Kiki Palmer is fucking hilarious. Yes. And I forgot she was Akila and Akila and the Bee when she was like an itty bitty baby. Yeah. But she's been doing music for a while. I guess she's kind of kept up with acting. Like she's been doing kind of both, but a lot, there was a big chunk of time in her IMDb where it was like music video, music video, music video, music video. It's really funny because, you know, I've we've had this discussion many times on the podcast, but I watch Big Mouth every season. And then, uh, oh yeah, she's on, yeah, she she's is. on, um, she's, uh, she's the love bug turned hate warm turned lug bug again. So she's on Big Mouth and then. <laughs> the spinoff H- uh, HR on HR yeah she's one of the lead characters yeah. on that one too so it's like her comedic timing is really great and she does shine a lot in this she's movie great. Daniel Kaluuya in this movie as OJ he he was still very very strong because he's just a great actor but they definitely made him like the yeah. silent cowboy type it's like his yeah, character he was very subdued mm-hmm. yeah and it was frustrating in some parts because like you just want him to speak the fuck up but he finds his voice eventually yeah he does. And, but that's part of his journey, and that's what made it interesting. There was also a random Keith David. He's a small part in the beginning. And I was like, oh my god, I love him! And then something very quickly happens, so he's not in the rest of the movie. And I was like, damn! And that's the other thing. But I loved him. I That's the other thing I told you. So there was one... So this movie, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it's... 
Like Katie says, it's not scary. I think it is meant to be scary, not straight it's up creepy. horror. But yeah, it's meant to be tense. Yeah. But they rely they relied a lot. It's not really jump cues as much as I guess I don't know if this is a term, but sound jumps where a sound will happen. Yeah. And it will be like so for example, uh without spoiling a horse kicks something and that's like a moment of like tension where you're maybe supposed to jump. And so it felt like it had a lot of that throughout the movie versus like building suspense. Like there was I mean, a couple I, moments that were very suspenseful. Once I figured out what was actually happening, mm-hmm. once I figured out okay, not to spoil too much. Once I figured out what the screaming was, Mm-hmm. It made me sick to my stomach, but then I was like, oh, okay, I get where this is. <laughs> and yeah. then it was less scary. But then, you know, you have the whole, like, sequence on the field with the wavy guys. Uh-huh. And that part was just more adventurous, which is, it's very much like, it is it is kind of like Jaws. Because, like, in Jaws, you know, you have the part where they go and find the abandoned boat and the head pops out. And it's, ooh, spooky, yeah. scary. And then the part, like, where the... They're in the bay and his kid almost gets killed. And then there's like the adventure part where they go out and they sing Show Me the Way to Go Home and then they fight Bruce the shark. So it is very similar. I also wanted to shout out about Brandon Perea or Perea. I don't know how you say his last name because I have never, I have seen him in something before and I forgot to write it down. The guy who played Angel. Oh, he's his, great. like His cringe was just so perfect when he was like, yes, doing this actress. And then he just keeps talking about his relationship and they're just like, uh-huh. Okay, but then he ends up being, like, super cool. And there was, like, an Independence Day moment with Michael Wincott's Antler's host, like, the filmmaker, which, is this supposed to be a Werner Herzog, like, nod? Yeah, it's, he's definitely supposed to be, yeah, just yeah. the documentary stuff, yeah. Because he didn't have, he didn't have, like, the, the German accent, but he had, like, a very, like, deep, gravelly voice. And that guy's been in a ton of stuff, but, like, his name was Antler's host, the filmmaker yeah. and I just lo- he was hilarious and Stephen Young was like he wasn't a villain but he was kind of like he was kind of like the mayor in Jaws he, where he, yeah, he didn't he, mean to do anything but he just was an idiot um, yeah, but his story was really depressing because of his childhood story with the chimp and I was like chimps are terrifying I love monkeys. Chimps are terrible. I know we discussed this, but actually, even though it was more subtle, I did like the commentary in this one about like trying to will animals to perform for humans and how that is often a bad idea. Yeah, it was way less obvious, but it was, I was like, I, I'm more confused what the exact message was because get out, racism, bad. Got it. Awesome. Consumerism, right? So this one would be consumerism. I guess. It's like trying to make money off of things you shouldn't try to make money off of. Well, but like, so, so like, get out, I get us was about classism. Mm-hmm. Tight, get that. Um, this one is like, is it you can't tame nature? Don't try to control a predator because I keep saying that. Or is it consumerism? Is it commercialism? Yeah. Or is it using natural resources for your own gain but then they end up just spoiler destroying the natural resource which i guess it's not natural so i was a little confused what the specific message was but i get the like the vibe of it i don't know if there was like a i don't know if this was one where he was trying to teach a lesson so much as he just was using that as a theme it was more thematic because i felt like get out was teaching a lesson i feel like us was less teaching a lesson but it was still there and i feel like this one was more like it's the vibe if that makes sense yeah it's it's very interesting i do i do like it though like because it was more subtle but it it 
that's what's so and this is a spoiler that's what's so disappointing about steven young's character is that he yeah. saw he saw what it could happen when you try to make something fit into a role that wasn't born to play yes and yet that's exactly what he tries to do <laughs> but he... but people do that all the time they did that yeah. um the tiger people oh siegfried and roy siegfried and, siegfried roy. and they got yeah. one of them got mauled eventually i do remember you know. that yeah Sad. I, I mean they're that. okay kind of i think one of them passed away i think the one that did get mauled passed away not from the mauling no. but later from covid i think from covid oh did that happen yes they're both dead now. <gasps> Are they? Oh, Roy died. Do- Roy died in 2020, and Siegfried died in 2021. Oh, man! Bing, bang, boom. Aww. That's sad. Oh, Roy was COVID 19, and Siegfried actually had pancreatic cancer. Oh, but uh yeah so i well, mean i it was maybe some of that maybe he also saw tiger king and was just inspired to be like don't yeah. tame nature well i was even thinking because we do see um this ha- this is the opening scene in the movie we see the chimp and mm. the kind of carnage from the show and all i could think about is something very traumatic so when i was a younger teenager there was this case and this lady's this lady oh, had yeah. a really good friend and her yeah. friend's chimpanzee was out of control and she and tried to her face yeah he ate and, her face which happens in the movie yeah. but off screen and so there was a there was a ban i don't know why but they decided to use the 911 call as the opening like part of their song and it just destroyed me because i mean i Some just don't, i still to this day i still don't to this day understand why a band would do that which well, i know music is supposed to make you feel something but it just bothered me very badly but i like nope i think nope is worth a watch especially i think Brittany, you're right it's a very good popcorn movie and i do think jordan peele's trying to like stretch his genre a little bit because i yeah. think I think that's smart i don't think you want to be pigeonholed as only doing one genre and you know um what uh, Northman? Shut up! Why am I blanking oh, his name? Oh, Robert Eggers. Robert Robert Eggers kind of did the same thing because even though there were horror elements to the Northman, it was not horror like the Vavitch was, and it wasn't horror like the Lighthouse because the Lighthouse was even a different kind of horror than that. Yeah, but I think Jordan Peele seeing that if I don't do something slightly different, all they're going to pay me for is doing horror movies. And while people love him, he can still do something different. And it was still a really good movie. Yeah. I will say, I think, like, me personally, I think it's a very mid-grade film. Like, it's not a bad movie. I don't think it's top tier. But what I will say is that he has created three solid films in his career already, which is not something every director has done. And co-created a really, really good comedy show that will forever live Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, what what else have you watched? So I can tell you a little bit of what I watched. And because I'm, I think we can talk about this a little bit too, uh, before I go into things that I'm not sure if you got to watch some of them yet. So I know okay. we have both been, I finished it. And I know you're halfway through the Resident Evil Netflix uh-huh. show. Yes. Yes. I finished episode four today. I got to the liquors. Yes. I love the liquors. They did a really good I, job with them. Yeah. I think they did too. You know what I like about this show is that they did use all the monsters. Like if you play a lot of the Resident Evil games, eventually there's so many different iterations of this, the regular old zombies and that's the interesting stuff those are the big bosses and they do a really good job of showing all the different monsters and infected i guess is the correct term and i like that like the liquors it was a really good design they're really creepy 
Those are in the game. I can't remember which what what which one is it? Are they introduced in? Oh, the no, liquors of Resident Resident Evil Two. Is okay, when you're, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's the mansion. You're in the Raccoon City Police Department, and uh, you go down the hallway, and there's one feasting on a corpse, and it looks like down at you. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. But like, you know, it's like the one where they're eating in the mansion, and then it turns around, which oh. I thought that was going to happen in an episode. Of this, and then it turns out it wasn't. And I was like, oh, dang, I thought they were going to have a callback to Resident Evil. But they do, because Wesker's in it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I do like how they name drop. So I'm a big fan of the remake for GameCube, which you guys have probably heard me say mm-hmm. remake for GameCube infinite amount of times in the podcast. But that's my favorite one. And so Lisa Trevor is in that one, and she has an awful, horrible backstory because she was basically kidnapped as a child by Umbrella, and she and her mom were experimented on, and her mom died, and she essentially became very, like, you know, disfigured because of the T-virus. All this to say is that they show Lisa Trevor, and I think she was maybe in the episode four. Now, I will say two very quick things about this Resident Evil series. Katie's heard me bitch about this before. So they do have adult versions of the girl actors. Uh, so the story's done yeah. in a split. Yeah, it's done split. Which I like the split thing. I do too. I don't hate it. I don't hate that aspect of it. I just hate that the two actresses are completely different ethnicities and you can tell. Like that really yeah. bothers me for a multi-million dollar show. <laughs> Wait, yeah. like the, oh, the adult and the younger actresses who are playing their counterparts. Not, the two girls are different ethnicities, but that- yeah. They explain that, and that's like, okay. Because yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be a little like, what do you mean you're tw- that wah-wah? Because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Like, obviously, they're experimental clones yeah. or something. I can't remember. They said same same dad, different donor eggs, which explains why the girls are different ethnicities. But then they cast one actress, and she's a young black woman, and then she's played by a, a black woman as her older counterpart. But then it's a, a girl from Hawaiian descent that's played by a Asian actress as her older counterpart. Which, obviously, a casting department's just like, I mean, Pacific Islanders the same as Asia, no, right? And like, this is no, this is the thing that bothers me the most. It's like we're gonna keep her hair the same, guys. They're gonna know because yeah, the hair's the so same. So we'll know. We'll know. That's my only like major complaint about the show. It's not the greatest show. I think anytime you have a live action Resident Evil adaptation, it's not gonna completely soar because it's a video game. It's very hard to adapt video games. Yeah, but it's fun. There is a, there's a very stupid moment, and Katie, you're gonna know as soon as you get to it because you're probably gonna text me about it because it's so fucking stupid but besides that it's a fun show if they if they made a second season i would watch the second season i don't know if they're going to though it only has a 3.9 on imdb (laughs) it doesn't have high ratings but i will say this is the best adaptation of i haven't watched welcome to raccoon city yet but apparently they Mm -hmm. take place in the same universe but compared to the resident evil movies these is way closer to the games yeah and makes way more sense also they have wesker who's played by lance reddick who obviously looks nothing like wesker in the games but i don't care because lance reddick and who you guys might recognize as he was in the guest but he's been a thousand things but i love that actor and i like seeing him in tv shows i was like okay cool i did get to the part where they use the master of a mocking line and I was like, unless you're the master of a mocking. And I was like, mm, that's from the show. And then someone said, a whore belongs on his knees. And I was like, that is a really 
stupid line because it was like someone was like we're all whores for money and he's like oh, the whore belongs on his knees and i was like that's gross but also evelyn the evil lady mm-hmm. sh- i hate the way she says raccoon city because she's raccoon city and i was like yeah raccoon city okay um because they're living in new raccoon city i'm sorry new raccoon city new, new raccoon um, city which i i don't know like maybe she's from a different Maybe she's from Europe or something, but like it sounded so stupid. I mean, I've got through season episode four. It's it, it's fun to watch. It's a fun watch. Yeah. It's stupid, but the if you monsters, really, the monsters are cool. And the if monsters you really are cool. like Resident Evil. I feel like it's more akin to Twenty Eight Days Later than Resident Evil, like the plot line, because they're like a bunch of survivors trying to get through stuff, and like it's way more Twenty Eight Days Later than resident evil because resident evil was always contained into like a building or an area and you're trying to escape it this is like they're traversing along a lot of stuff yeah speaking of zombies i don't think you've gotten to watch this yet if you like game of thrones and you like korean culture ancient korean culture might i suggest kingdom on netflix because i actually watched the first like three episodes the other night it's good it's very game of thronesy because like there's a like political thing going on because it's like in, I would say like medieval Korea. I'm not sure of the years, but it's after a specific Korean, like a real war. It's it's set in actual, like a real place, not like Game of Thrones, where it's like Westeros, which is basically Europe, but it's not. This is like Korea in like the medieval era. And there's a crown prince and he and his sister are at ends because his mom was a concubine. Her mom, I guess, was like the crap like the actual queen like the consort or whatever their specific term is and but they're both they're half siblings and their dad is the king and their dad gets smallpox and then like the son hasn't seen him in a long time well the so the son is the crown prince but since he's a lower station than his sister but his sister can't be next in line because she's a girl if she has a son they get to be next in line instead of him and she's kind of i think evil it seems like she's mm. evil and twisty so she's pregnant and she's like so basically like they use a, a medicinal herb that regenerates the body and mm. so basically to keep her dad alive until she can give birth she accidentally starts like a zombie apocalypse because it starts out as, oh, you just regenerated one thing, but it's like they turn into zombies. And so the whole kingdom starts going through. And Duna Bay from, or Bay Duna, I can't remember, uh, but from the host who yes. played the, in a cloud movie, yeah. Cloud Atlas, she plays a nurse in this uh, like rural hospital who like experiences it firsthand and she becomes like the other counterpart to the crown prince because he's trying to figure out what's going on with his dad and she is trying to help these people in this rural area and they accidentally get infected and all of her patients turn to zombies and but it's all like a beautiful so there's political intrigue it's like game of thrones that the zombies were like up front and up close and personal the entire time yeah but there's political intrigue and also like there's really beautiful costumes because they're all wearing like very traditional and i'm totally blanking on what you call yeah traditional korean yeah i used to know the word but they're they're wearing very beautiful traditional clothing and um it has a really good english dub that is amazing. So, That's like, it actually common. makes sense. Yeah. And it, yeah. So I, I recommend it. It was automatically on dub and I was trying to multitask. So I started watching it. Although I'm sure it's really good to watch subtitled too. So yeah, if you're like missing, I know 
House of the Targaryen or House of what are they House calling of, it? House of the Dragon. Okay, I was like, are they calling it House of Targaryen? Or no, House they're called House remember. of the Dragon. <laughs> I know that's coming out soon. I'm it very is. iffy on if it's going to be good or not because uh, I hope it's good, but I'm not a big Targaryen person. I'm a Stark. Oh, and uh, see, I'm I uh, I'm it's the incest thing uh well that's the dragons most, are cool that but. was most that was most families though back in the day i mean that was very common not even the in the south not really starks i think married cousin to cousin but not siblings no that's the yeah. old valerian old valerian but the big thing is is that yes there was a lot of sister wives i could go on and on about this because i'm a fucking well nerd. we have a um, whole show we can talk about coming yes up. But a lot of a lot of them did like marry cousins, and then like the big thing, a lot of them did get married to other houses too, because there was a Targaryen who spent time among the small folk, and he was like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't marry brother to sister anymore." So him and his wife married outside, and then they tried to marry their children off to the different houses of Westeros, but they mm-hmm. still had a son and daughter that fell in love, and they were highly Gross. pissed about it. So yeah, well, and they all went crazy. So. Well, when, yeah. you know, it's like when a Targaryen's born, the gods flip a coin. So, you, as they say. Exactly. But. So, incest, not the wincest, y'all. I am. Okay, so I. No, I'll get <laughs> Don't okay. defend incest, Brittany. No, you know. I'm not defending incest. Okay, I, was about to defend the, I was about to defend House of the Dragon. So. Oh, no, incest. it might yeah. be good. I'm hoping yeah. it's good. I, I just, like, I don't know. Like, I'm nervous. Because Game of Thrones kind of stumbled the first couple episodes, too. So I'm like, I hope this one gets a chance to be good. And also the wigs kind of look... I am kind of laughing uh, hardcore because, you know, we watched... So me and Taylor were watching, like, the two different House of the Dragon trailers. And, Uh you know, I actually... I have to admit, uh, I was kind of iffy about and i will i will also say this but i also say this guys you may hear me pronounce names wrong because i've read them for so long so i'll finally get to hear how they're actually pronounced in the tv show but i believe it's daemon so you know he's playing prince daemon and i was kind of iffy about that when i saw the casting and heard about it but some of the early reviews are in and they said he was like born for this role they said he is incredible really good actor yeah he really he's in that terrible morpheus movie though but i like him he's been in a lot of stuff and he's always a solid performer so i like i I really like matt smith so they also say that valak which was so one of the original three dragons so when aegon and his sister wives conquered westeros like valak was his uh his other sisters not rainies what was her name is begin with a v but it was her dragon. By this time in the series, it's the biggest dragon in the series. So I think it's like Drogon size or bigger. But you get a sneak peek at that. So I'm like, oh my god, Valak. So I'm already like nerding out. But they say that this opening episode, the early reviews have said the opening episode is kind of like on par with some of GOT's best episodes. Which has me very, very excited. Okay. Because okay. as much as I love Game of Thrones, it's first couple of episodes, they were interesting They're enough rocky. that they drew you in. Yeah, yeah, they're rocky. Exactly. If they hadn't tossed Bran out that window, I don't know if I would have watched the second exactly. episode. Exactly. I was like, and everyone dang. Says that. Everyone says that. So, mm-hmm. and even if you watch the trailers for Game of Thrones for the first season, it's like, what the fuck is this? Because the first trailer is just looks so fucking stupid. Uh, what else have you been watching? Okay, so I um I know there's a few things you want to mention 
drama wise so i'll try to get through these a little bit quicker well i did watch i watched day them which is streaming on peacock guys i do not recommend it okay i I don't it is impressive i believe the cast like most of the cast is lgbt which is very impressive especially in a horror film i do like that aspect other than one character i don't feel like the characters really got fleshed out it wasn't scary yeah well and the title itself well is kind of funny they slash them because yeah. it's like a slasher. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's clever. I really, I was excited when I read about, I read it about it like in an article and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But the trailer. You're gonna, this is a slight spoiler, um, but okay. it may have been spoiled for you guys. Anyway, it happens about mid half of the movie. Critics are calling it one of the worst scenes of the year already. So the kids start singing Pink's Perfect out of nowhere, like episode Glee. Like, it literally turns into a fucking episode of Glee for, like, four minutes. What the fuck? Yeah. I swear to God, it comes out of nowhere. Like, I literally thought, like, it took me back to watching Glee, like, when I was a freshman in college. Or that episode of season three of Umbrella Academy, where they're just... Footloose, which I but loved. like that. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Like, I like that. that's already a weird show that does a lot of the, choreographed yeah, quirky, dance it's sequences. It's like the quirky, uh, it fits the tone. It fits the tone yeah, of the show. Yeah, the tone, the tone, yeah. is, and, and then they're like, oh, it was a dream. Like, you know, it's a, it's a quirky show. Yeah. In a horror film, I can't, the only horror musical other than Phantom of the Paradise that that kind of stuff worked in was Stage Fright, the remake with Meatloaf in it, and Mini Driver. Because, like, they were at a musical theater camp, and they were performing a musical, and so they were all singing the whole time. But they had, like, musical numbers in it, which I was fine with, because it was it was very Phantom of the Opera-esque, where there was, like, a play going on, but they're also singing backstage. But, like, when you haven't had singing from the beginning, that's just... And it's not, like, a talent show. No, I they're, don't like, understand. literally in a cabin, and one of them starts singing a line, and then the other one starts singing another line, and then, you know, it becomes a sing-along. So I didn't hate it, but it definitely felt like it was off. And like I said, it just, it wasn't scaring. Uh, the kills weren't yeah. inspiring, which I know is awful to say, but it's a slash. it's meant Ugh. to be a slasher movie, so. Yeah. So yeah, but like, at least it has an LGBT cast, that's cool. That's good. I just want them to have good LGBTQ plus horror movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you guys are curious, you know, it's like an hour and 35 minutes or something like that. So if you have an hour and 35 minutes to kill, watch it, see how you feel about it. It's on Peacock Premium, though, because I went to go watch it and it's on Premium, as is the Black Phone on Peacock. Uh, so I yeah. don't want to pay for another streaming service. I will say, so it's funny because I actually mentioned this to a friend because I was talking about the podcast and Taylor won't let me have Showtime. It's not like one of those situations. My husband won't let me do this, but he's but like, they have Brittany, all please. the A24s. Yeah, Brittany, but he was like, Brittany, please, we have almost every streaming service known to mankind. Please, no. Don't, well, you, you can come to my house and watch the Showtime stuff and I'll yeah. come to your house and watch the Peacock stuff. That's, that's what exactly, that, that needs to, that sounds like a fair trade-off to me because yeah. that's. So I always joke, I'm like, so when Katie picks a movie on Showtime, I have two options. Either I have to rent it or I have to see if it's streaming on another service. Yeah. Um, now, I will say I did watch The Black Phone. I did like The Black Phone. I don't think it's a horror masterpiece. It does still have a pretty high rating of like 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. It wow. is a good movie. And it does, it's not really scary to me, um, but mm. it was tense. I thought the kid actors were really good. And I thought, like, it was a solid little flick. I did like it. That's good. They did have some weird editing choices, though, which mm. I think you would have to see it to know what I'm talking about. But if you ever seen Sinister, it kind of had, like, some of those editing choices. Oh, 
Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't that Ethan Hawke too? It is. Yeah. (laughs) Is he editing his movies? (laughs) I, you know, I have to wonder. I have to wonder. I will say, I, I, yeah, I, you guys, I don't want to spoil too much. And if Katie sees it, then we'll go into more of an in-depth talk about it. So that gives Katie time to see it and the rest of y'all listening. I would say I would recommend The Black Phone, though. I would recommend watching it. You know what? I ended up seeing, like, a weird... Like, okay, there was this movie that kept popping up on my Amazon, and I can't remember what channel it's playing on on Amazon, but it's called Kept Woman, and it stars Courtney Ford, who... Which, you've seen True Blood, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she's Portia Belfour. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was a pretty big part on the Trinity Killer season of Dexter. She's, like, really pretty lady with brunette hair, and I like her as an actress, so I was curious what this movie was, and it had, like, a picture of her dressed as a 1950s housewife, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? But it was, like, a th- it's, like, a Lifetime movie, and it's actually an okay Lifetime movie. Like, it's obviously the quality's Lifetime movie, but she is, like, a city girl who lives with her fiance and they get robbed and so they move to the suburbs and the guy across the street is like a quote-unquote male studies professor and he's like incel he's not really an incel but he's like he has like an incel mindset and he kidnaps her and this other lady and forces them to live in his basement in his in like a a fake 1950s housewife world oh and it's like her trying to escape so it's got a little true crime and it's got a little misogyny and fuck the patriarchy kind of thing so uh it was it was actually a fun little watch so i also watched a really terrible movie but it was like charmingly terrible called evan straw ah. which the obviously home paint.net cover got me because it's like a house and there's like a shadow ghost and it's like evan straw and like blood writing on and i was like what the hell is this because if you didn't know amazon has a lot of like independent films some good some bad the acting's fine the quality sucks but it's like mid 2000s i think so like yeah you know it wasn't like like there were some weird choices like at one point this the main character in this guy are like let's take a walk while we talk about the ghost stuff and like it was like one of them was holding the camera in their hand because the camera's bopping around with their heads violently and i was like whose choice was this but it's mostly okay like it's not like the worst uh independent horror movie i've ever seen but every person in the cast is like 45 or older and which is fine there's like i'm like i like there's nothing wrong with that but it's almost like everyone of retirement, they seem much older. Like, the lead character seems like she's probably in her 50s. Um, She's very, like, very good looking for her 50s, but, like, she just seems like she's in her 50s. But everyone's basically, like, not old, but retirement adjacent. And I was like, did all these, like, retirees just, like, get together and make a movie in this town? But basically this lady whose husband just died moves into this house in this little town and everyone in the town thinks it's haunted and so and she has what she thinks is a ghost but it's actually a tulpa because Ah. everyone thought it into being but it's like it's it's bad enough that it's funny but it's not like misogynistic or like really badly written it's just like you could tell like it might have been an interesting movie if they had the budget or, like, the cast. Because some of the cast members are obviously just, like, somebody's grandma. Oh. Like, which is really funny. So it's kind of charmingly bad. But that was that was pretty much what I watched. Yeah. I uh, I have two. I have 
Well, I have three more things, but two more things I want to touch on just a little bit. So, um, I did watch Lightyear on Disney+. Plus. How was that? It was okay. Uh, so, kind of how I feel like about... Well, I did actually really like Turning Red. But Mm animation is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I obviously love Chris Evans. Everyone who knows me knows that. And Kiki Palmer (laughs) is actually one of the lead characters. Yeah, I saw that. Takawahiti is too. So, I mean, it has a great voice cast. The animation is beautiful. I fucking love Socks, who is Buzz's companion animals, a robotic cat. Which doesn't surprise me. Ever since I was a child, I always loved the companion animals and would have stuffed animals of them from Disney movies. But yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie. I, I liked it. Like, it kept my interest. I just didn't think it was phenomenal, which I'm wondering... Yeah, I wasn't very interested in watching it, to be honest. It's I tried cute. to watch the TV show and did not like it. I was like, I yeah. don't think I like extra Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Good with Toy Story Buzz Lightyear. Now, as you probably already know, the big thing, and they even show, like, a title card. They're like, in 1996, Andy watched this movie and later yeah. got Buzz Lightyear. So that's like the big thing that it's like trying to be the movie that inspired the Buzz Lightyear toy. Right. And I, I don't think it's bad. And there is, it kind of, so in the beginning, and I won't spoil it completely, but it does happen within the first 15 minutes of the film. There's almost an Inception type thing where Buzz keeps going into like hyperspace to try to fix a mistake that he made. And he keeps the same age while all of his loved ones kind of grow older. So it's kind of like Inception a little bit in the beginning. All right. Yeah, which is kind of deep a little deep for a kid's show which is why they give yeah. socks to him as his companion animal his companion kitty robot cat so i mean it's good it's i think it's worth a watch but i mean i'm a i'm a big pixar fan i know a lot of people in our generation are so it was kind of like it was good but not like incredible on the flip side of that i also watched bell which is a studio chizu film they did like wolf children and the girl who left for time and it's <gasps> our, oh is it on netflix it, it's on uh hbo max Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on my list. So the thing is, is that I had a lot of friends that were like, Belle is an incredible movie. It's an incredible movie. And I really do like it. And so there's a few parts of that movie that the like animation is directly referencing like directly the Beauty and the Beast like the 1991 Disney movie Ugh. but it's yeah it's really it's really cool because if you like if you love okay. Beauty and the Beast the way I did when I was a kid you'll instantly yes. just go. But it's really interesting because basically like there's this social media world where it's like you have like an avatar that represents like the real you. So it's like they take, mm. I guess, like your, like what's going on with your body. So like your freckles or whatever gets transplanted over into your avatar. And so like this girl who's experiencing this trauma from her childhood, she kind of becomes like a pop sensation in this world. But there's like this beastly type character that gets her interest. So there's all these rich layers to the film, but there is a lot going on. And I um, I do like it. I just, I do have to say, because, you know, the way people were talking, I was like, well, let's see if it tops your name for me, because your name is my favorite anime film yeah. in recent years. And it's really, really good, but it's not your name good to me. But the well, music, the I think you'll like it just for the music, Katie. Like, the okay. music in it is incredible. And I will wrap up and say the last thing I watched is, uh, so I did watch the first episode of Sandman on Netflix. Me too! Okay, you're on the first episode today. Okay, oh, the okay. first episode. It's good! I like yeah. it! Yeah, and it had Sam- Charles Stance in it. Yes, and Sam was a big Sandman fan in high school, so I'm actually very familiar with a lot of the Sandman lore and stuff, so, but I do like, I feel so bad, I forgot who they cast as Morpheus, or they haven't referred to him as Morpheus yet, but Dream, but the actor, I can't figure out if it's CGR if he just looks at otherworldly. But I feel like it's a very good know. casting He's choice. He's a very good looking man. And the young Alex in the first episode mm-hmm. is the little boy from House of, of Bly Manor. 
or the oh, haunting of Blind Manor. Oh, you're right. That's where I recognized him from. Okay. Yeah. He's Miles. Miles. Okay. And the guy at the beginning that gets out of the car mm-hmm. and the doctor guy, he's the dad in Fleabag. Okay. And he's, I still haven't he's seen Fleabag. Fleabag's dad. Oh, God. Fleabag will wreck your soul. Yeah. Just a but lot of crying. I, you actually, I know before, so I know we're going to wrap up in like maybe another 15 minutes or so, but you yeah. had to tell me some drama going on with... Some movies that are coming up. I do want to say before we get to the drama, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Yes. Oh, my God. I was heartbroken. I was very obsessed with Grease's little girl, even though as I watched a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, I didn't feel like that was a... Per- I mean, it, it's not really movies, but I've been watching... I've been... I finished All Stars... Yay, Jinx. Um, but I went back and I've been watching a lot of the seasons. And I feel like Bob the Dry Queen said this, but it might have been somebody else. But Grease is not a very good life lesson because they basically change themselves for yeah. um, each other. Not a great look. But I will say I was obsessed with Grease's little girl. I really want to be Sandy. I have the Sandy Barbie doll. And I was, and it was because Olivia Newton-John is just so amazing. So I'm really sad she passed away. Gone too soon. But some juicy drama which this is alleged and i heard about this on tiktok and a couple other places but there's a movie that i'm looking forward to because we were going to talk about like movies we're looking forward to just really quickly one is don't worry darling which is coming out in september september 23rd is its release date and it's olivia wilde's new movie she did book smart right yes she did yes which was, i really liked book smart yeah, so yeah. good and she's also in this movie, and Florence Pugh and Harry Styles are main characters. Chris Pine's in it, Nick Kroll's in it, and there's a couple other people in it. Looked really good. It's like a 50s housewife on, it seems like like maybe a nuclear test site in this, like, isolated community. Starts, mm-hmm. like, figuring out, like, maybe she's a Stepford wife kind of thing. Yeah. And looks really interesting. I saw the newest trailer before Nope, and I was like, I really want to see that. However... I noticed, because I follow Florence Pugh on a lot of things, because I really like her ever since Midsummer, our queen. Yeah. Our queen flow. She has not been talking about Don't Worry Darling, which is weird, because usually she's very, like, vocal about her projects. Yeah. And someone on TikTok was like, do y'all know why? And I was like, please tell me. And again, this is allegedly, this is according to TikTok. I can't even remember what TikTok account I found it from, so please forgive me. But, so... I knew that Jason Sudeikis of Ted Lasso fame and SNL, who is great in Ted Lasso, by the way, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, please, I'm finally in season two. It's amazing. And Olivia Wilde were married and have two kids together and they broke up recently. And I was like, oh, it's really sad. Now, Ted Lasso's character, his character in Ted Lasso is going through a separation from his wife. So I was like, maybe that's why his performance is so fucking fantastic because of that. I don't know, but that's still really sad. Well, apparently Olivia Wilde is dating Harry Styles who is much younger than her, which again, they're both adults, so it's fine. But that is a little, like, scandalous. But regardless of that, like, they're adults. They can make decisions. Apparently, the rumor is that the reason Florence Pugh isn't super happy about Don't Worry Darling was because during filming, Olivia Wilde had an affair with Harry Styles while she was still married to Jason Sudeikis. And, like, Jason Sudeikis, like, brought their kids to set while Olivia Wilde was having an affair behind his back with Harry Styles. And I think Florence Pugh felt it was really unprofessional and awkward and just... So, like, she's gonna... She's not, like saying anything but Olivia Wilde is like all over TikTok and Instagram being like I loved working with Florence she was so amazing and she's like 
dead silent. And apparently, Harry Styles doesn't want to walk down the red carpet with Olivia Wilde either. So, just a lot of drama. Which, the movie looks good, and she's a good director. And, like, I want to look past... I mean, it's not like she had an affair with someone who was underage. And the plot thickens. The plot thickens. So... Uh, so I I actually also, I saw a headline about the issue between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh. So I knew there was something going on, but I never investigated mm-hmm. further. So looking at Florence Pugh, the very first thing that comes up, and this was 13 hours ago, Florence Pugh confirmed split with Zach Braff. Yes, that also happened. And she's but that happened months for, ago. She's been with him for like years, so wasn't she? And that, uh, yes, yes, for quite a, since like 2019. So a few years. Yeah. But yeah. they also have a big age difference, That's which like, maybe I don't think Florence is is judging that because she's been in a relationship where there's a big age gap. You know, and again, they're all adults in their twenties yeah. and older, so like I'm not judging people for that. But you know, when somebody like Zach Braff wasn't married when they got together, you know, that's the yeah. thing. Oh yeah. And I mean, Harry Styles. I don't know. I like Harry Styles as an artist. I really like a lot of his music. He seems like a nice guy too. But and I'm not saying like it's not really when you're the one who's not in a relationship, you don't get. It's still like not good to have an affair with someone who's married. But I don't know what she told him. She could have said like we're getting divorced, and he might have been like, oh okay. But I still, I'm not a big fan of cheating. I always think, like, just break up with the person. But, like, they have kids together. Like, that's icky. And maybe this is all completely blown out of proportion. And But it's very weird that she's not advertising. Because she's advertising for other future projects she's in. So I don't think it's her breakup that's making her do this. I think it's that she felt that that was unprofessional. So also just reading uh, a little bit of this article, it seems like the big thing too is that Olivia, uh, you know, purposely, I guess the way the trailer was edited, which I know there was like a scene in the trailer where it's like he's performing oral sex on her. So Mm -hmm. Harry Styles as the husband performing oral sex on Florence Pugh as his wife. And um, so, you know, Olivia Wilde was very, like, hyped about this. She's, like, she's mentioning a thing called the clit test, which is completely new to me. But I guess that's something with female sexual scenes that... So, yeah, no, this is just completely news to me as I'm listening to you scanning this reading. What is the clit test? So, like, um, so let me see. The clit test quotations gained traction in 2020 and was created by two British women as an online forum that celebrates media's acknowledgement of the clitoris rather than the vagina as a source of pleasure oh okay so yeah which i mean there's nothing sensational i about thought that. it was like yeah. like a fake clit or something no no <laughs> like no so screen. that's uh that's like their thing which now i have to read more about this because i'm curious but yeah. I guess the big thing with Florence is that she did an interview with Harper's Bazaar where she was like I don't like the movies I'm in being reduced to major sex scenes like it's to me movies right. are a lot more than that when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone it's not why we do this it's not why I'm in this industry so that seems to be a tug and pull between the two women right yeah. now too to me it seems like Florence is a very professional performer mm-hmm. She seems to be very professional. And I feel like I would have the same reaction she did. I mean, it's there were a bunch of, like, behind-the-scenes photo, which it was, like, paparazzi spying on them, which I think is gross. But, like, she and Harry Styles are, like, sitting there laughing on a couch between scenes and stuff. So yeah. I feel like she probably was like, oh, everything's great. Because I know, like, I found out before that people were having affairs, like, 
cheating on people during plays that I was in with them. And it made me feel so uncomfortable because like the other person who was being cheated on was like in the situation too. And I was just like, I felt like I was in, like in such a rock and a hard place. And it's like, it's not your place. Yeah. But then what do you say? And like, you know, and then luckily things come out, came out in my situation before I knew for sure. But I was like, is this happening? But like, it just feels really unprofessional because I don't know. I've never really, I'm not against dating co-stars. Yeah. But there's a way to do it professionally. It's like, I'm not against dating someone I work with, but there's a way to do it properly and, you know, honestly. And I don't know. It seems like this was a clusterfuck. And the fact that Olivia Wilde's the director and also holds some sort of authority over Harry Styles as the director. I don't know. That colors it in a different light for me. That seems unprofessional. Yeah. But I think it has been confirmed that they're in a relationship. But then it seems like he, apparently the last thing I heard was he doesn't want to walk down the red carpet with Olivia Wilde. So I feel like maybe he's like, I feel weird that we got together while you were still married. But that was the juicy gossip. Um, Other than that movie, have you seen... The, I saw two, three trailers for horror movies that I actually am interested in. The Invitation. Yeah. Not, oh. With Na- Natalie, Natalie Emanuel. Emanuel. Yeah. It's coming out later this month, and it's like it's like vampires. It's like yeah. a family of vampires, but like she does a a twenty three and Me, and she finds out like that her long lost family are like British aristocrats, and they want her to be their new vampire bride because they're like I was like oh it's interesting. I don't think it's gonna be like the best horror movie ever, but it looked interesting and like gothic. Yeah, because they they do have a Dracula reference. Is it Mina Harker or is it? like what's the at the end of the trailer they say a name and i want to say it's van helsing or nina harker or something they make it mina's the girl that dracula goes after but don't they make a reference to like a character at the end of the movie because that was the reason yeah at the end of the trailer i think they say a name and i was like oh is this like a dracula movie because it was like one of the dracula characters it may have been van helsing now that i think about it maybe but yeah so that one also looks interesting pearl of course what we've talked about Pearl before have you seen the trailer for barbarian with bill skarsgård oh i've Oh, I'm trying to remember what happens in the trailer. I've seen so many So trailers. I thought it was a remake of The Goodbye Girl mm-hmm. because it was like this girl shows up to her Airbnb and this guy is already in there. And he's like, oh, you can come stay the night. And I was like, he's like, <gasps> okay. oh, don't go yes. in the rain. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I was like, I was like, is this a goodbye girl? I think I whispered that literally to Ryan. I was like, is this a goodbye girl? And then all of a sudden it takes a dark twist because there's a weird locked room in the basement and yes. the, the house is haunted or something looks interesting it reminded me of blackbeard by the trailer or bluebeard bluebeard maybe yeah. maybe that this is the bluebeard remake that we've been talking about and we were never quite 100 percent sure yeah because a bunch of people were working on different bluebeard adaptations maybe that's what it is but it was interesting it like bluebeard yeah looks i'm you know it's early september and then smile yes okay i don't it's either going to be so bad it's good, or it's going to be like The Empty Man, where it was like, it's good. Yeah. But it's but hilarious. It's hilarious, because you know the exact scene in the trailer where she knocks on the window, and then her like... I laughed. I will admit, I did kind of yelp, because I was I was like, something's going to happen, but I didn't I know think I laughed. Be that. You'll have to ask Ryan, because I hadn't seen that trailer until we were... I hadn't either. hope to come on. Yeah, that's the one I was like, I, ah! I was like, that's silly. It, I think I said, that's silly. It reminded me of The Ring, and you know I love The Ring. So I was like, yes. it seems like a ring type It's deal. very ringish. Yeah. Because it's like, so many days, mm-hmm. and you could, like, smile, and 
I don't know. It looks stupid, but also, like, it might be fun stupid. Yeah. So, was there anything else you were, like, looking forward to that I didn't mention? Oh, well, it's, okay, so, obviously, because we've we've mentioned House of the Dragon, House of the Dragon does air this Sunday, August 21st. Are they going to have a different song? No, no. I don't want it to have a different Robin, So uh, they have, they, I looked this up because I wanted to make sure, and supposedly Ramen Dewaji is back as the composer. And I am, okay. I am, I love him. Like he helped He's make good. it. He's so good. And even, I don't know what the theme is going to be yet because they haven't released the theme yet, but the yeah. trailers, the trailer sounds like Daenerys music, which is like those like heavy drums and like the, hor- the flutes and the horns and stuff. So I'm like, I think think this is gonna have some good music in it and it premieres I, at night he's interesting i listened yeah. to an interview with him on like mm, what is it's like all things considered but it's like the morning mm-hmm. it's the saturday edition on npr anyways i just remember i was like oh i like this music i was like oh this is the guy that does game of thrones music i like him and he does westworld cool. too he composed westworld's music too. which has yeah. i need to i'm 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 getting really close to finishing season two, and then Ryan and I are going to watch it because he also is trying to get through it. <laughs> and I was like, I need to catch up because the finale for season four came up this week, I think. And I'm like, I'm so behind. I'm watching too much stuff. No, I get, I get, I get into that way too. I'm like, sometimes I get into watch moods. I, I will say, as for his Westworld soundtrack, I think he did an arrangement of Runaway by Kanye West that's absolutely beautiful. And he also did uh, Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana for Westworld too. Mm-hmm. And I love the arrangement of that. But I actually got very lucky because when uh, Game of Thrones did their live music tour, which was him going mm-hmm. around with the orchestra around the US, me and Taylor saw that in Atlanta a couple years ago. Aww. So they were playing a lot the music and they had like um moments like they had some of the moments on screen above the musicians as they were playing yeah. and i sat there and wept because of course they played the door um and they're showing Hodor. but my favorite one of my favorite moments in the entire series is danny getting on drogon's back for the first time and flying out of the fighting pits and there is this that is a pretty cool oh scene. i i fucking hysterically cried like i so the big thing is, and guys, I'm so sorry, I won't get on too much of a tangent, but that was the moment that I was like, Danny is embracing her destiny. She is following in her ancestors' footsteps, and it made me so excited. Their incestuous footsteps. Well, sorry. <laughs> she, in her it. defense, she didn't know John was her nephew. She did not know she it. She did not know. She did not know it. But it made me, like, so happy because, you know, the girl is, like, literally fucking beaten upon See, by her brother, sold into marriage, and... Then yes, but I, my favorite sequence of her doing that is Dracarys. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. That whole sequence when she's like, of course I speak Valerian, you oh, dumbass. Yes. Well, I love Dracarys. It. She looks Valerian's my mother's tongue. <laughs> but I don't know... I don't know what this instrument is, but there's an instrument that when Drogon f- uh, flies into the fighting pits, it goes roaring, 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 roaring. And, like, it, like, it's this giant instrument that they take and they fling it around like this to make that noise. And it's, like, literally the dragon entrance, entrance noise before they breathe fire. It's like, roaring, 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 roaring. but I love... That's cool. <laughs> it's amazing. But, yeah, Maybe it's so- like a Theramir, but, like, a, a, like, an actual, like, Theramirs are cool. They're, am I saying that name? You, you know what I'm talking about. The yeah, Star yeah. Trek, the I wonder. Instrument. I don't know. I wish I was more educated but, but about that's, instruments. That's something where you sit on your lap and there's like a 
you play it with your hand, but you, like, move your hand. It's oh, very okay. interesting to watch people oh, play that. So I have seen those. So it's not like this. So It's, it's not like that, but it sounds like it makes a yeah. sound like it. So I'm like, it, maybe it's a practical version of that. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to, like, It must video. be some percussive. It, that sounds like a percussion. It might just be a specific kind of percussion. Yeah, too. I, I never I never would even known this instrument assisted if I didn't see it in person. Are they shaking it or hitting it? No, they're like literally like flinging it around like this. That's like that has oh. to be it's percussion. Then I would call yeah. it percussion, unless yeah. there's some kind of tube and it's getting wind through it. Yeah. But I would call it a percussion. That's awesome. So I like I said, I wish I knew more about that. But that's where I was like, I'm I am really excited about House of the Dragon. I always say, like, everyone knows I hate the fucking finale of Game of Thrones. However, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to let my guard down. I'm ready to be hurt again. Um if, if, it, if it comes to that. Uh, so, um I'm just excited. I won't be upset with the Targaryens, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not as invested because the Targaryens I like the Targaryens, but I always knew Danny was gonna go crazy and i think that kept me from like i knew she was gonna go full on target and i was just like i just don't i think it kept me know, from like i i was like you know a skeptic. I, I kept an I arm's length say, distance from i her. don't like what they did with danny in the final episode like i said they should have done it better they should have they should have like maybe expanded it across a season or two but yeah. I, the one thing I do like, and one of the only things I like about the final season, the final season had incredible cinematography, but I keep going back to the first season, and Viserys uh, grabs Danny. he's like, you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? And then you look at that last mm-hmm. shot, where Drogon's wings expand behind Danny, and she's, it's like, no, she's the fucking dragon. She's the dragon, and she's, she's been also awakened. Hitler, so, yeah. in that moment. But, oh. There's a lot of... A lot of Nazi references there too. I just didn't. I didn't like. I what they did. They took too many of Danny's like main people away from her too fast. It's like let's kill Jorah slowly. Let's uh, kill I just think they should have done it better. They should have done it better. I don't yeah. mind her her going full Targaryen, but it did seem out of left field. I was and, like, what? Okay. And there is so that's what that's what's going to be interesting about this show because it's definitely so with the Dance of Dragons is the Targaryens own undoing they this is the beginning of the end for them because and i don't want to spoil it for anybody who does want to watch the show unsurprised but the whole history of the dance of dragons have already been written so there's no surprises there if you are interested in a song of ice and fire lore but yeah it's the beginning of the end for the targaryens which is uh really sad but really interesting yeah i kind of would have rather have seen their origins yeah that's what i thought it was gonna be i was hoping yeah i was hoping for a dance of dragons prequel this is what i when they started talking about the prequels which were blood moon the duncan egg prequel uh the dance of dragons and robert's rebellion i was praying for the dance of dragons because to me it was the most interesting but it would have been cool to see aegon's conquest the other thing that does make me a little bit nervous and i will say my piece because i can go on about this for a while i was really hoping this would be a limited series Mm -hmm. i don't think they're meaning for it to be a limited series i think they're wanting this to be a multi-season deal so that does make me a little nervous we will see how it goes maybe it's going to be limited and they haven't announced it yet but from everything i've been trying to read up on it it doesn't seem that way but moving on to the next thing as you guys know uh i also i have a lot of friends who are really into the vampire chronicles so by proxy i do like the vampires chronicles so i'm very excited about interview with a vampire 
It's premiering. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's premiering on uh, AMC. It's going to be Sunday, August 2nd. So that's going to be two things to look forward to on Sundays. It has Jacob Anderson, who, of course, was Grey Worm playing Louie. And there are a few people that are complaining about the casting. I'm just like, you guys need to fuck off. It's kind of a reimagining of Interview with a Vampire. I think the... Pre- what? Why were they upset? So, um, Louis, so the original interview of Vampire, uh, takes place, uh, Louis turned in, like, the 1700s, and he's mentioned, he's Creole, but he's mentioned to be more white, and obviously Jacob Anderson is black, um, it's set in the 1910s in New Orleans. But he's also, I think it's stupid. He's also, I'm pretty sure he's mixed race, too, which makes it more believable that he's Creole. Yes. Because that was a big Agreed. blending of cultures. Sorry, I hope that's not offensive. Yeah, that I absolutely. Just said that. No, absolutely agreed. I get exactly what you're saying, but a lot of fans are like, "But he's described as white in the books." But once again, Louis is a fictional character. To me, that kind of yeah. doesn't really bother me that much. If he's the best person for the part, he's the best okay, person for the part. Okay, this is the thing and that, I like him. This is the thing that I love Jacob Anderson too, and he seems like a sweetheart as well. I mean, Raleigh Rich, Raleigh Richie is yes. that his rap name? That's yeah, and I think that's his Instagram name too. Um, he, yeah, he went on Game Grumps and played with them. He's like, I'm actually a rapper. Yeah. I was like, what? No, he is. That's cute. He's it adorable. Really I love cute. him. I know. He is amazing. I do love him, too. I'm actually really excited because I'm this girl. Where in the original book, I don't think it's ever strictly said that Louis and Lestat are lovers. It's definitely implied in some ways that there's a... I mean, in the movie, it's pretty obvious. In the Brad Pitt, yeah, the Brad Pitt fucking Tom Cruise movie. It's Well, the thing is, they did try to... They try to, what's the word I'm looking for, dry it up a little bit at the time because they're just like, we're going to try to make this less gay. But yeah, they tried to give him a case of the not gays. Yeah. You know. Even though. I was like. Even though they're. Not working. They're literally kind of a stuck in like an abusive marriage and he, he yeah. essentially, they adopt a child to try to save the marriage. Like that's what Lestat basically yeah. does. But exactly. in the uh, trailer, in the most recent AMC trailer, he refers to him. He was like, he was my maker. He was my lover. And we're all like, what? Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we've been waiting to hear. So, um, but I'm excited. I mean, once again, it's a reimagining. I'm not expecting it to be verbatim by the book. Last but not least, this is a. I'm gonna really, really try to tie, you know, reel this in. So, Blonde does premiere on Netflix on September 23rd. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, is Ana de Armas who's playing Marilyn Monroe. Uh, from the credits, from the trailer, she looks incredible like i think she looks exactly like real yeah sorry i did not think i know i like her i love that actress because she's so good at knives out and i was like i was like i was like i don't see it but then once they put the wig and the makeup on her i was like oh my god and it makes sense because marilyn was made to look that way too yeah by the way marilyn wasn't naturally blonde they bleached her hair they changed her foreheads her hairline even like they did all kinds of weird stuff to her so I'm like, okay, okay, she looks perfect. Yeah. And I really like that actress, so I'm very much excited for it. I'm, I really like Marilyn Monroe. I find her more, it's not really that I think she's like the best actress ever, but her life was fascinating and I think very tragic. And she's a very interesting figure, but I'm kind of nervous that they're going to turn this into a big sex romp and not like take it seriously. There is, I will say, so this is my whole thing wanting to see this movie is that so I, if if what i heard is correct netflix bought this movie sight unseen 
So they were like, this is going to be a big movie. It's premiering, I believe, at a Venice Film Festival. So it premieres at Venice Film Festival and I think releases on Netflix like the same week, if not the next day. And, you know, obviously this has a big potential to be a awards season darling. But the thing that already bothers me is my understanding is there is a sexual assault scene in the movie that did not happen in real life. And that's very problematic to me. That's, that's in poor taste. That's very problematic to me. And so, because even though Marilyn died 60 years ago, she was still a real person. And yeah, I agree. It's like she had a very tragic life, but she was a real person. She was very passionate about her craft. She took acting classes. Yeah. She constantly was trying to better herself, but she also had a lot of trauma from her childhood. Mm-hmm. So we want to see... And her a, adulthood. Yeah. And you want to see a movie about this but you like it is also rated nc-17 so there is going to be some hardcore graphic sex scenes in this movie as well that's a lot let's say hypothetically it gets nominated for best picture it's going to be the fourth film in history that had like an nc-17 x-rated slap to it uh movies like that i don't think they normally like well urban cowboy did win best picture uh, Midnight Cowboy. Thank you, not Urban Cowboy. That's fucking John Travolta. Thank you. Midnight Cowboy. I mean, did tomato, win. tomato. Yeah, Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> Midnight won Best Picture, but Blue Velvet yeah. and Clockwork Orange did it. So I think Blonde has better chance yeah. of maybe winning a Best Actress award. So we'll time will tell. Time will tell. But yeah, my understanding, if I understand right, is that Netflix did buy this movie before ever seeing this movie. So, but yeah. So yeah, that's a lot to look forward to. It is. We'll have, I'm sure there's more stuff that'll come up in, in a couple weeks. We'll oh. Maybe I'll get through all of RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, my... I can't go through a definitive listing. My, uh, one of my favorite sayings is, like, I'm like, my two favorite times of the year is upon us. My favorite time of the year is fall, and specifically, like, Halloween leading to Thanksgiving leading to Christmas. My mm-hmm. second favorite time of the year is award season. So... Yes. <laughs> So back to back. I am excited. So anyways, but yes, I guess we should say goodnight. I hope this hasn't been too long of an episode. It is sidetracked, so we got sidetracked a couple times. But you know, it's okay. I hope you guys have a good week. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like listening to us blab on about random shit, this is the episode for you. Yay. Which I kind of I like blabbing on about shit. It's more fun. This these episodes are more fun to prepare for because I just have to put like I like this. I don't like this. I've been watching this. So it's more fun. So we hope you had fun listening. And we'll see you next week for, I think, our episode on Prey. Prey, yeah, which is streaming on Hulu. Hulu. But yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we talk about Prey. And if you can, apparently there's a Comanche dub of it because the main character is a Comanche Native American and she and it's a female yeah main character yeah Yeah. and it's yeah i don't want to spoil it but i i will say this this is not spoiler i really liked it i'm excited i did i did and i'm excited to talk about it sounds good yeah guys have fun hope you have a great week we can't look uh wait forward to seeing you next week love you all and as always we look forward to seeing you next time say spooky spooky channel say spooky
Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.